Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every single day. Today is Tuesday, April the 23rd, and we're talking consumer goods. I'm your host, Shannon Jones, and I am joined via Skype by foolish contributor, all-around good guy, Dan Klein. Dan, how are you? I'm good. Is it that cold there? You're wearing a winter jacket in the studio? It depends on where you're at in this building. (laughs) So it's cold in the building, not necessarily. (laughs) In the studio, uh, it tends to be a little chilly. But uh, I think we've got like 80 degrees outside today. So this jacket has no plans on staying on. That much, I can assure you. It's uh, (laughs) 80-something here, as always. (laughs) Well, so glad to have you on the show today, Dan. We've got uh, really two topics to dive into. The first is what seems like the never-ending saga between Sprint and T-Mobile. And then also, uh, second half of the show, we're going to be diving into and trying to just make sense of the streaming wars and who the key players are. But let's go ahead and dive right in into the merger madness that is Sprint and T-Mobile. These are the third and fourth largest carriers in the U.S. They've been attempting to merge, uh, I guess, a little over a year now, Dan. But regulators are raising some serious concerns concerns, particularly on the end of consumers. Dan, there's a lot on the line right now. This was a $26 billion deal. Just how bleak are things looking for this deal and for Sprint, too? Everyone's speculating. We don't entirely know. Federal regulators have not come out and said, hey, we're not going to approve the deal. But a lot of the tone, a lot of the political rhetoric has sort of shifted to, we're going to deny this deal. And this goes back to why the two companies uh, broke up their first attempt at a merger a few years ago. It's there's sort of this inherent idea that having four wireless carriers is better than having three wireless carriers, but all three of them are really strong. And there's a bit of a monkey wrench thrown in here, which is kind of why we're talking about it, is that Sprint came out this week and they said, hey, look, if this deal doesn't get approved, we might not survive. And the company more or less, I don't want to say they restated their earnings because that's more of an official product uh, process, but they came out and said that a lot of the postpaid additions, those are the, the, the most watched number, that they weren't really paying customers. They were people getting an extra free line. They were sort of people forced into a line they didn't really want or didn't really need. So they more or less admitted that some of their rosy numbers were smoke and mirrors and that they may not have the ability to continue or really the money to invest should the merger not take place. And it's not just about Sprint's future here. The other argument they've been pulling out of the hat is really trying to piggyback off of the White House and their administration focusing on 5G, the race to 5G, and specifically trying to basically compete with China, who is set to, believe, I believe, launch 5G as soon as uh, next month. And so Sprint has also been saying, if you want 5G to become a reality for the vast majority of America, you need to allow this merger to go through Let's dig into that, Dan, because that's kind of complex. There's truth to that, and there's sort of a a John Ledger piece of hype to that as well. So so you have the problem of there are two other major wireless carriers. There's Verizon and there's AT&T. And both of them, on some level, are rolling out 5G. And uh, Ledger, the CEO of T-Mobile, likes to point out that more or less, you know, they'll they'll have 5G in one neighborhood, and then say Chicago now has 5G. They very much overstate sort of their where they are, and they don't have a lot of incentive to do it quickly because T-Mobile on its own will get there, but they will not get there nearly as fast as if they have to if 
if they merge with Sprint. And Sprint probably won't get there at all, which is why they'll go out of business. So this is a huge investment. And T-Mobile wants to lead the way and sort of push for that. And they're willing to say, hey, look, approve this deal and we'll get to 5G faster than anyone else. They may, they may not, but they will certainly push Verizon and AT&T. In fact, they've already pushed Verizon and AT&T to move faster. So, Dan, if I'm if I'm a consumer looking at this and I'm thinking, okay, reduced competition means more pressure on prices, I'm going to pay more. Isn't the fact that with Sprint and T-Mobile, if this merger doesn't happen, Sprint now could very well go to the wayside. Now you're still losing a competitor either way, whether this merger happens or it doesn't. And if I'm a consumer, am I looking at this the right way, thinking, you know what, I really am not going to win? What's hard to know is Sprint is backed by SoftBank. So SoftBank, which is the majority shareholder, has a lot of money. They could fund losses. They could you know, underwrite Sprint for as long as they wanted to, more or less. The question is, are they going to get fed up and say, hey, look, none of the cable companies want to merge with us. There's no logical partner. And the path to growth is just too expensive. You know, They've survived or sort of put up acceptable numbers by being the cheapest carrier. And you can be the cheapest carrier, which T-Mobile has been at various points, if you're also a comparable network to everyone else. And right now, Sprint would argue that it is. It runs commercials saying, yeah, we don't have the best network, but hey, it's good enough. And it kind of is. But that's going to deteriorate over time. So T-Mobile and Sprint, if they stay separate companies, yes, they might keep prices down. But would you rather pay a few dollars more and have very reliable service and eventually 5G? 5G might let some people get rid of their internet connection. So there's a real value to that. Um, And again, it's hard to know. Sprint is – they're running the red flag. Oh, my God, we're going to go out of business. That could just be a tactic, and it's important to note that. But it's very hard to argue that consumers won't be better off by a stronger T-Mobile. T-Mobile has been a very consumer-friendly company. They, they've helped eliminate contracts, overages. You now actually know what it costs to buy a phone, and that, that may not seem like a good thing, but the old days of getting a free phone, but then your bill was $40 more a month, now it's broken down. You pay $40 more a month. T-Mobile has real pricing. If they say $50 a month, that's $50 including all the taxes and fees. So they've done a lot of good and I have a hard time believing that if they merge with Sprint, all of a sudden they're going to turn evil and start you know, going back to practices that they've made. Their entire business proposition is being against a lot of the sort of things you'd worry about. And for T-Mobile, they've added more than a million customers now for, I believe it's 23 consecutive quarters, which is pretty impressive. And let's not forget, T-Mobile is also planning to roll out a television service. So this merger with Sprint greatly expands that base as well. I mean, for T-Mobile, there's so much good happening right now. T-Mobile this week unveiled a banking service, uh, which will help people that don't have a checking account not only get easy access to banking, but have a certain level of overdraft protection, no minimum balances, no fees. So I've been underwhelmed by their cable offering, but I think that will change when 5G rolls out and it becomes something you use over your phone rather than what we've seen so far as the at-home version, which really looks a lot like cable. But T-Mobile is a company that's constantly trying to find new ways to make consumers happy. And AT&T and Verizon, I'll put this nicely, it doesn't feel like that is baked into their DNA. 
Very good point, Dan. Totally agree. Uh, to, to close this out with this segment, where would you put the likelihood of this deal closing? Would you say it's a 50-50 shot at this point? Where are you at? I, I think T-Mobile will make whatever reasonable concessions need to be made to make this deal. So if the federal regulators who are looking at it want price guarantees or a speed of 5G rollout guarantee or whatever it is, I think T-Mobile is going to be very willing to do that. If they're stuck on the idea that there needs to be four companies, then I think what's going to happen is Sprint will make the merger happen sort of by the back door of going out of business. (laughs) And maybe T-Mobile can acquire some of its assets. And I think T-Mobile would acquire the vast majority of its customers organically, uh, which is frankly why I have some questions as to the value of this merger for T-Mobile in the first place. Yeah, very good point. So, a lot to watch here in the coming months. Uh, Let's turn our attention to Another story that's been ongoing, Dan, I know you and Dylan got the chance to talk about streaming, specifically the new Disney Plus that's set to roll out later this year. Um, But if you're like me and the rest of the world, when it comes to streaming and the streaming wars, I don't even want to call it streaming wars. I think it's just streaming (laughs) chaos and confusion at this point because there's so many players. But how, how do you make sense of all the different options that are now being rolled out in streaming? It's too difficult. And we've talked about this on the show before with with me and you and various hosts. There are so many streaming services, and we both have kids. I have a 15-year-old. You have a younger child. Nine-year-old. So both of our kids are probably into Cartoon Network. My son likes some of the comic book shows, so he watches DC Universe with me. That's a paid service. So when you balance your household and figure out all the different things you need, if you're one person living alone, you might get by with Netflix and later Netflix with Disney+. Plus. The second you start adding more people to the household, the combination of streaming services I have, which is like eight or nine different paid services, it doesn't cost as much as cable, but it does cost a lot. And as more start coming out, it becomes something you have to manage. And then you start saying, boy, I wish some company just combined all these services and I could pay one fee. And oh, wait a minute, that's cable. So I think we're at a weird tipping point where this went from an additive thing, sort of like, do I want HBO and Cinemax with my cable package, to, all right, now I have Netflix and I'm going to cut the cord. And do I want uh, do I want PlayStation View? Do I want Hulu Live? Do I want YouTube TV? Am I going to add HBO, which will be ingrained in those services? Am I going to have these separate services? Uh, Geez, I like sports. Do I want the Major League Baseball package separately? Uh, My kid's really into, you know, whatever, anime. Do I want this niche anime streaming service? And I think for the average person, it's becoming overwhelming. And I think that may actually slow down cord cutting. Very, very good point, Dan. I agree. I think just the vast amount of options makes it really hard to decide. Just like you, we've got multiple streaming services, devices, and platforms in our house. Um, and it's not just, I mean, granted, we are paying much less than what we paid when we had you know, a big cable conv- provider that I will not name that has terrible customer service. But <laughs> I will say, when you're thinking about just convenience and even like paying the bills, the more you start to add on, the more it just makes you not want to choose any of them. I will say, though, and I think you're you're bringing up this point, is that it's not 
a winner-takes-all market when it comes to streaming. Because I think right now, each one does kind of serve its own niche. You've got Disney with their Disney Plus service. Um, and really, they've got this massive vault of content um, that really has this emotional connection. As a parent, you could probably relate to this, Dan, where you know th- this is content you can watch over and over and over again. I can't tell you how many times I've watched Frozen. Um, but you have this content that just continues to build upon itself and build out the ecosystem with their merchandise and the parks and everything like that. Um, But you've also got just these multiple franchises as well that can continue to run. I'm thinking about Marvel, Star Wars, um, even the Pixar franchise. So Disney kind of serves this niche, this family programming niche. You've got um, Hulu on the other side that's much more to me like your your typical TV network. So if I want to catch up on you know the TV show that I missed, I can go to Hulu and easily pull that up. And of course, you've got multiple big name networks that have stakes in Hulu. And then you've got Netflix. I mean, you're just kind of looking for... Uh, I hate to say it, kind of weird programming that you typically would not find or go looking for. You go to Netflix for this original content. So I think right now you've got many of the major players just kind of serving their own niche. But the key will be, how are they going to start to bundle that? As a consumer, I think you have a default base. You're going to have Netflix. The volume of shows on Netflix just makes sense for it for you to have it. You're going to have Disney Plus for the reasons you just mentioned. They have a huge archive of stuff. I mean, I'm super excited about the Star Wars shows they've announced, the Marvel shows they've announced. And then after that, you're going to have to make the decision, do I want live TV? If you want live TV, I think ultimately Hulu is going to bundle Disney Plus and ESPN Plus so you can get them all through one interface, sort of the way Sling TV allows you to have your HBO content and all your other add-ons without having to leave the app and go to another. That becomes a problem for everything that isn't app integrated. So if you look like we subscribe to WWE Network, I'm a big New York Rangers fan. So if they weren't terrible, I would probably subscribe to the NHL package to get those. But getting to that content means leaving Hulu Live, which is my prime way of watching TV, and going to those packages. Anything that's on the outside looking in is going to have to be much better. So when you look at some of the also-rans, remember Sony owns Crackle, which is free, and you still don't have it? Um, And it actually has some okay content, but there's no time for it. So I I think the winners are going to be the integrators. So Disney, through its ownership of most of Hulu and, and these other services, and its ability to eventually maybe offer ESPN or ABC or all the other things it owns and roll it into that, And then Roku, because they have the player, and to a different extent, Amazon, though whether Amazon and Apple can make nice is going to be challenging as you have new content coming from Apple. Um, So it's all – we're in the really early stages, and some of this stuff is going to go away. Good point. I was just thinking as an investor – it's hard to choose between all of the options. And again, it's not a winner-takes-all market. But if I'm investing, I'm probably going to look for um, a platform device like Roku that is very much streaming service agnostic. Um, when it, Just looking at some of the stats for Roku, Roku has over 27 million active accounts. The number is growing pretty quickly, up 40% last year. Roku basically collects commissions on subscription sales and shares of advertising revenue for these streaming services. So they've got 
a reoccurring revenue stream there. Um, even though it doesn't make a profit on its sales, it does an excellent job at monetizing the users. Um, and really, it's going up against Amazon. It's going up against Apple. Of course, Apple had this big star-studded event to talk about their new service, which will be rolling out later this year. So the competition is fierce. But if you're like me as an investor, I think Roku was one of those companies where, whether it be cord cutting that you're going after or just the streaming wars, I think it's going to win both ways. Yeah, and I think Roku is in a position where they're not creating content. So if you're Apple and you're going into the content creation, is Google going to want to stream your service? Who knows if they're going to even allow Google to stream their service? Amazon creates content. So if you're the other platforms, do you want their content to be there? You know, Netflix is completely neutral. So it's all, it's available on every device. Roku is in a position that it's it's that way for devices. It can say to anyone, hey, come to us. And I think that is going to be a growth driver. But I do also worry a tiny bit about companies finding ways to not pay that 30% commission, to get people to subscribe on their own. To I think we're, we're starting to see a new level of sophistication of, yeah, we don't just want people to come to us through Roku. We want to sign them up as customers because why pay a lifetime commission? And that that is almost the entire Roku business model. Very true. Very good point. So, lots to look forward to. Dan, we'll have to circle back later this year as a lot of these streaming services and platforms get up and running so we can update all of our listeners. How's that sound? Let's uh, spend the next few months watching every show we possibly can. (laughs) You know I will be tied to all things Disney as soon as that comes out. So, sounds like a good plan. We want to thank you, our viewers and our listeners, for tuning in. And that'll do it for this week's industry-focused consumer goods show. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. And The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Austin Morgan. I'm Shannon Jones. For Dan Klein, thanks for listening and full on. Mm-hmm.